to all of you listeners of this great station. This is Rabbi Alvaz from SLC. I'm going to speak about the Parashat Terumah we read yesterday and also a little bit about Purim. The Parashat starts, Ve'dabber Hashem and Moshe Lemor. HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to Moshe and he tells him, Daber el Bnei Israel v'ikhuli teruma. Talk to the Bnei Israel and tell them to take a teruma. Teruma meaning a contribution. And then he says, Me'et kol ish asheri debenu libo from everyone, whatever he can afford, tikhu et terumati. And then he says, Vezot teruma again. So Rashi, Allah shalom, he makes a good uh, remark here. He says there are three times the word teruma is mentioned in this two pesukim. So Rashi says like this: Amru Rabutenu, our hachamim said, Shalosh terumot amurot kan. There are three terumot said here. Ahat teruma bekarakul kolid. Shenaasu mehen haadanim. One teruma was each one had to give a beka, beka is hasi mahasid like hasi shekel, and that was in order to make the fabricate the adanim the sockets on which the beams of the mishkan were sitting. They were, they were placed. In other words, the sockets were supporting the entire mishkan. They were like the foundation of the mishkan. And that's one. Another one, also, Mahasita Shekel from everybody. Why? Liknot Mehem Korbanot Sibur. In order to buy the offerings uh, for, for the public, the public, uh, public Korbanot, public offerings. And then the third one was the Teruma for the Mishkan itself. All the Kelim of the Mishkan all the building, the construction of the Mishkan. And this third one is depending on what each person could give. Whatever they want to give, that's up. Someone can give a small amount, someone can give a big amount. But the other two, the one for the Korbanut Sibur and the one for the Adanim, those were exactly equal for everyone. The question comes up like this. Okay, fine. I understand that Korbanut Sibur, that should be equal for everyone to give Hatsi, hatsi Shekel. Okay, I understand that. Because obviously, it's for everybody. Everybody is equal in the atonement. But what about the Adanim? How come the Adanim? Pockets. Why? For that particular one item, each one had to give exactly the same. Why not like the rest of the Mishkan? Whoever, whatever you, a person wants to give, give. So the, the, the answer is like this. Rabbeinu Bihayeh, Allah Shalom, he said that there are 248 asiyot in the Mishkan and 248 mitzvot. And somehow they correspond to each other. Now he did not explain exactly which one correspond to which. 
But there's one thing we do know. In Masechet Makot, it says that there are 613 mitzvot in the Torah. Then David HaMelech came and somehow emphasized only 11 of them. Then came Yishayahu, and he emphasized only six. And then came Micha, three. And then finally came Habakkuk, one. Which one? Emuna. Faith. Faith in Hashem, faith in His Torah, faith in the Hachamim. I said, Sadiq The foundation of the mitzvot is faith. The person who has faith in Hashem, faith in the Torah, will eventually do everything else. Now, this doesn't mean has shalom, that we're reducing the amount of the mitzvot. God forbid. The 613 stays there all the time. It's just a question of which one you can emphasize if you see the people are lax about everything. You're going to emphasize one that's going to eventually bring them to do all the others, and that was the emunah. So now we can understand the emunah is the foundation, and the adanim are the foundation. Now, emunah cannot be compromised. When it comes to various different mitzvot, each one can do the mitzvah slightly different. I can buy an etrog for $300. Somebody else can buy an etrog for $25. You could, you could uh, you know, and someone can build a sukkah, a plain sukkah, a small one, I mean, a huge one. So there are different ways of you know, being mehadder, beautify the mitzvah, the mitzvah. But when it comes to emunah, there's no such thing as this one has emunah, uh, 90%, and this one has emunah, 75%, or 99%. Can't do that. Emunah is either 100% or nothing. Everyone has to be equal. When it comes to emunah, the faith in faith, faith in his Torah, has to be equal. 100%. If you only miss one yod, God forbid, if you say I believe the whole Torah except this yod or this, this one, we can't do that. No good. So being that the Adanim represent, or at least the look, they seem to be corresponding to the Emunah, and they're the foundation of the Mishkan. So that's why the, uh, uh, the amount of money that was contributed to that was equal to all. Now, also, there was Mahatsita Shekel. Why, why, why Hatsi Shekel? Why not bring Shekel Shalem, the whole complete one? Each one bring a one Shekel. Why have? There are many. There are many reasons. But I saw the other day in the Sefer Lekachtov a little story, interesting story about a child who was living, you know, in in a palace or in a mansion. His parents were very wealthy, and he was always always fed the best food, the best breads. Then finally one time, he went to see to uh, to a farm, 
He wanted to see what the farmers do. And then he sees that the first thing the farmer, the farmer does is he takes the earth and turns it over. He turns over the earth. And this kid does not understand. The earth was so nice and flat. Now everything is all bumpy. Why are you doing this for? doesn't understand it. Then he sees he takes a lot of seeds, and the grains of the bread, and he sees, and he throws them around. He says, what's going on? doesn't make any sense here. Look how many seeds he's, he's wasting. No good. Then he sees him, he comes in again, he turns the earth around again to bury the seeds in so that they'll be all inside the soil so they can regrow the stalks of wheat. He doesn't understand that. Well, he asks the farm, what are you doing? He says, no, wait, 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 wait. Then a couple of weeks later, he sees the whole, the, the whole field over there is nice with flowers and stalks coming and flowers and so on and so forth. Oh, that's nice. Looks very good. The next thing he sees is that the farmer brings a sickle and he starts cutting, cutting, cutting the stalks down. Again, the kid is, 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 is stunned. Why are you doing that? It was so nice. Then he takes the stalks and they step on them in order to separate the chaff from the grain. And again, he does not understand it. Finally, they take the grains and they grind them into flour. Well, there was they had beautiful grains before. Now you're putting like you only have is a little flour there. And what 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 what's going on? Then he needs it. The kneading, bakes it, right? What comes out? Beautiful, delicious bread, which he he has never seen this before. So now he understands. At the beginning. Don't understand anything. Don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. But then at the end, you see what's going on. Why? Because half, we only, all the time, we only know half what's going on. We don't necessarily know the end result. The end result sometimes could be a lot better than what you thought before. At the beginning, it might be something really bad, but then. You see that Makadosh Baruch started that way, but at the end, it was really something good. To this, I saw a very interesting Maasi that happened recently. I saw it on the internet. Very interesting. An Orthodox Jew in New Jersey was driving, and all of a sudden he got into an accident. He hit a Gentile man, a guy, and unfortunately he died. Okay, so he was uh, had to go to court and so on, but he was acquitted because it was an accident. In the meantime, he felt so bad. How could it possibly happen to him? He killed a, he killed a human being, a guy, but it was a human being. Lost appetite. Lost his sleep. You know what to do. For weeks on going on. It was restless. 
Finally, he wrote a letter to Rav Chaim Kanievsky Shelita in Eretz Israel, a great, great, great sage. And he got back the answer, one word, Amalek. Amalek. So I couldn't understand it either. Amalek. So okay. That did not satisfy him. And he kept on being sad and um, could not uh, really uh, uh, be any, uh, any, any happiness, any joy in his life. Then he decided, you know what? She knew him Malcolm, she knew him Azel. He says, let me go away from, this, uh, from the, my home. Let me buy something around. So he saw a very nice home. He was interested. He went to buy it. He goes, he talks to the kids, to the children. Or says, Why oh yeah, you know, we're also very interested in getting rid of this home because our father just a couple of months ago he, he got into an accident, he was killed, we just we don't want to remember that and we want to sell it. Oh, very good. I wanna buy it. Looks at the house, very, very nice. And later on it goes down to the basement and he sees pictures and pictures of a man wearing uniforms of the SS, the Nazis in Mashima Vizikram. He looks at the picture, then he recognizes that is the man that he killed. Then he looks further and he sees names of people that this man had murdered. And among those names were his father and his mother were among the names. Can you believe this? Mind-boggling. At the beginning, the man couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Now, well, he's more satisfied. And he understands why Rav Chaim Kanitsky told him, Amalek, not just the Mashimah, the Amalek. Many, many times, Rabbi we get into a situation we don't understand what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing. But we have to take the bad with the good. Because ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only wants the good for us. Now I'd like to say something about, about Purim. At the beginning of Parashat Yitro, which we read two weeks ago, it says, Vaishma Yitro Kohen Midian Hoten Moshe. Yitro, he heard. He heard what happened to the Bnei Israel. What did he hear? So Rashi brings the Midrash. He heard two things. Kiriat Yamsuf and Milhamet Amalek. That's the two things he heard. Kiriat Yamsuf and Milhamet Amalek. You know, the splitting of the sea and the war with Amalek. But this really begs the question, is that all that happened? What about the ten makot, the ten plagues? That must have been something very interesting that they want all over the world. Shamo, Amimir, Gazun, everyone heard about that. What about the, the man that was falling from the sky? Whoever heard of, of, uh, of food falling from the sky to the people? What about the Be'er? These are all miracles. 
the well that was following them all along so they can have enough water and so on. Why? These were not mentioned. Rashi only mentions two of them. Kriyat Yamsuf and Mirhamet Amalek. The answer is the following. There are two categories of miracles. There is what we call the Nes Galui and the Nes Nistar. A Nes Galui means a miracle that is revealed to all. Everyone, when he hears about it, everyone agrees this is definitely a miracle. It's not something natural. A human being can possibly do this kind of thing. It's unnatural. Can I get that teva? Okay. The other one is called the nesnistar, meaning a concealed type of a miracle. When you see that miracle, you don't see. You don't say to yourself, "Well, this is obviously a miracle." It's there, but it's not very obvious. So, therefore, Rashi, what he did is he picked on one one of each category. Kriyat Yamsuf was a Nes Galui. How who could split the sea except Hakadosh Baruch Hu? That's a real miracle. Galui revealed to all. Milhamet Amalek was a Nes Nistar. Was a war between the the Bnei and Amalek. So they fought the war and they won the war. Obviously, Hakadosh Baruch Hu helped them, but it's still a Nes Nistar. What about Nes Purim? What what is that? Is that a Nes Galui? Or is that a Nesni star? It's obvious it's a Nesni star. Why? Because there doesn't seem to be anything absolutely unnatural about it. But we do know that the hand of Hashem was always there. The name of Hashem is not even mentioned. Why, why, why it is a miracle? Because there are too many coincidences. Too many things that just happened. I can accept one coincidence. I can accept two coincidences. But so many of them. That doesn't make sense. The Megillah with Vashti would not appear. The king summons her. She won't come. You know, in those days, that's pure suicide. That's pure suicide. That's suicide. You can't. The king there was like uh, the power. He had the, the power of life and death in his hand. Next thing we know, of all the thousands of maidens in, in the country, 127 states, only Esther was chosen. What are the odds of a Jewish Persian girl being chosen to be the queen out of so many maidens in the entire country. That's another coincidence. Again, next thing we know, we have uh, Mordechai just haphazardly, by accident, he happened to hear two people that were talking, they were plotting against the king. And he understood the language. Anyone ahead that told Esther, finally told the king, and so on and so forth. 
He was rewarded later on. That just happened, a coincidence. Eh? And all of a sudden, again, an obscure, un unknown man, the enemy of the Jews, an evil man, a man of Rasha, went ahead from being nothing to the prime minister. And the list of coincidences goes on. The entire episode of Megillat Esther was planned and orchestrated by Kadosh Baruch. It was all planned. When you see so many coincidences happening, it means that it's impossible. This is not something that could happen naturally. Akadosh Baruch Hu had his hand in it and everything that was going on. Let me tell you another thing. Even the case of Vashti, that she didn't, so, she didn't show up, that's not so simple. Let me tell you what the Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin says about that. And you will see, it was all planned way before that. It was planned three and a half generations before that. Vashti was the great-granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar, who became king of Babylonia. About four generations before that, Nebuchadnezzar was not a king. He was only the chief scribe, Sofer. He was a Sofer of King Biladan of, of uh, Babylonia. The king was Biladan. Nebuchadnezzar was not from royal blood. He became king later on. And you'll see why. And at that time, when Biladan was the king of Babylonia, Hiskiyahu Melech, King Hiskiyahu, was the king in Judea. And the Gemara goes on and says he became very ill. Almost fatally ill. And by a miracle, he recovered. And everyone heard about the miracle. A king almost going to die. And then he, he was healed and recovered completely. And this miracle, the, 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 the word went around. How did it go around? It came to Biladan. The king of Babylonia. The Gemara says that that day that he was cured was supposed to be a day of 10 hours of daylight. Instead, it was 18 hours of daylight. And King Baladan, Baladan was asking him, what, what's going on? What, what happened? Why? So they told him, Hiskiah, the king of Judea, was very sick, almost dying. And he recovered from it. Oh, that's a miracle. In that case, we must send him a letter of congratulations. So, he brought the scribe to write a letter. Just at that moment, Nebuchadnezzar, the chief scribe, was not there. He wasn't around. So, the scribe came in and started writing the letter, which, as usually with greetings, salutations, you know. And you write, Shalom, meaning peace to King Hizkiyahu, peace to Yerushalayim, peace to the great Almighty. And they write the letter, gives it to the courier, and the courier just about left. Just at that moment, Nebuchadnezzar, the chief scribe, comes in 
and he asked what's going on. They told him, and they showed him the letter about the salutations. So Nebuchadnezzar said to them, no, he cannot do that. That's not right. The salutations were completely reversed. First you have to say peace to the great Almighty HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Then Yerushalayim. And then the king. In other words, he showed tremendous respect and honor for Hashem. And he ran after the courier. He ran three steps. In the middle of the fourth step, he was stopped by Manach Gabriel. In the middle of the fourth step, he was stopped. He didn't want to go any further because going any further could have been very bad for the Jews later on. So what was the reward for Nebuchadnezzar for showing such great honor to Akalash Baruch Hu? He became the king of Babylonia, him, one generation. His son, Evil Merodach. His grandson, Belshazzar. And finally, the great-granddaughter, Vashti. But being that he was stopped in the middle of the fourth step, was only three and a half generations, then also she was not supposed to be queen her entire life. It was only halfway. Everything was planned from way before. Vashti was not supposed to complete her reign as a queen all her life. Because three and a half generations before that, it was already decreed. Hashem plans, orchestrates everything. Now let me tell you a, a, little, a little story that I, I read. Um, I'm always very interested in the, uh, uh, the independence of Israel in 1948, which happened in 1948. And I read quite a bit about it. And uh, at the time, the president of the United States at that time was Truman. Truman was, he was not really elected himself. He was vice president together with Roosevelt. So Roosevelt picked him as the vice president. And what happened in 1945, Roosevelt, within three months or so, he, he died. And Truman automatically became the president. Later on, he ran and he, he, go, he took another, another term of four years. So in 1948, Truman was the president of the United States. At that time, Israel declared its independence. What happened? When Truman heard that, he was one of the very first ones that recognized Israel. All the members of his cabinet were against it. His own political uh, 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 motives or whatever in his mind, he knew was a, a wrong political move to recognize Israel. Yet, he did. Very, very early on. Now, what happened? How come? Must be something in his mind, right? Oh, yeah. Something happened that was decreed maybe 50 or 60 years before that. 
a few years after he became president and after the uh, independence of Israel, a member of Knesset from Agudat Israel came to the U.S. and he went to visit Truman. He asked him the question, how come you hurried so quickly and opted for recognition of Israel? And here's what he answered. And this has been, you know, written in many, many, many places. He said, since I was a little boy, he says, I had a dream. Like many other boys in the United States, perhaps one day I'll become president. He says, I was very well versed with the Bible. He, Truman, actually read the Bible. He was, uh, I mean, a, a religious Catholic, and he, he read the Bible quite well. And he said, the person that I admired the most was Cyrus. That's Koresh, Cyrus Koresh. He actually was an offspring of Esther. Why? He says he admired him because he allowed the Jews to go back into Eretz Israel and eventually build the Beit HaMikdash. He said, since then, I promised myself if I ever become the President of the United States, I will try to emulate him. I will try to copy him and somehow make the, 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 the nation of Israel go back to their land. Very interesting, isn't it? Unbelievable. The recognition of the state of Israel from the United States seems to have been planned years, years before 1948. Rabotai, this is the thing we have to keep in mind at all times. The story of Purim is a great miracle. It's a great miracle, but it's a miracle that is an esnistar, a concealed type of miracle. Every day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does miracles for us. Perhaps we do not all the time realize it, but it's there. It's there on an individual basis. It's there on a community. And it's there even in our Eris Israel. The miracle is there all the time. Every day, Purim is teaching us that there is such a thing as a Nesni star all the time. Eretz Israel is one nation in the middle of 22 Arab states or enemies of Israel. Can you imagine what a miracle this is every single day? If the 22 nations, God forbid, will gang up against Israel, you know what would happen? But Hashem does something. He makes them fight between each other. They don't have the time to bother with Israel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at Eretz Israel at all the time. So we have to really thank Hashem every single day. 
about all the miracles that are happening to us as well and in Israel. And the nurse of Purim teaches us that. Purim Sameach to all. And Shavuot uh, Lachem. And I want to remind you about this station. Please try your best in order to give it as, many, as much as you can in order to keep it alive and thriving. And if you have any simha, please contact SLC.